Welcome back to The White Bikini. My name is Marie White, and joining me today is my co-host, Nicholas Banton. How are you, Nicholas? I'm great, Marie. It's good to be with you once again. You sound a little nasally. Are you having an allergy issue, cold? Yeah, yeah. Are you taking anything? Do we need to pause the episode? I think we may need to call 911. I just, it's, I don't think I'm going to make it. Moving on in our current series, The Death of the Dreams of America. (laughs) In this episode, we're going to discuss the controversial career and in general, Bill Cosby, because I think he goes into that pile of what happened. Absolutely. Bill Cosby billed himself as America's father, as this upstanding moral figure, this symbol of moral authority in the country over 50 years. And so I've been waiting to have this conversation with you and I'm really looking forward to digging into it because I know I have a lot to say and I think you do too. So where do we start? Well, we're going to start that I watched on one of my days off the documentary Four Parts of We Need to Talk About Cosby. And I knew about it a year ago when it came out two years ago and I was like, yeah, whatever. But I actually... It popped up on something and I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this the time. I was blown away, not just about Cosby, but the conversation that we keep going back to of specifically my generation and the world we were living in wasn't what was happening at all. Everything that was going on in the background is was so dirty. It, it, yeah. It's actually upsetting. It, it, it is more than upsetting. It's, it's absolutely terrifying. You know, I watched the same documentary that you did. Uh, in preparation for this podcast. And one of the things that I hope to discuss, it's not just Cosby, but the women and what he did to them. But I think it goes, agreed. And just to see the women hearing what was happening when it was happening was one thing. But when you started to see the magnitude of the women and the damage he did along with many men of that generation, their bad behavior affected wives, girlfriends, and the next generation of their children. And it infuriates me that we tolerated for as long as we did. I think the saddest part is that it didn't infuriate enough of us. I think for a lot of men and some women, they just chalk this up to boys will be boys. But this isn't boys misbehaving. This is about a man raping women by plying them with drugs. And I think for me, Cosby goes along with the... O- I was a bigger fan of O.J. Simpson. My radar radar went off with Cosby. I actually saw him in person. I'm going to date myself, but here I am at the Valley Forge Music Fair, probably in the mid to late 1980s. And back then, the tickets, and this is a lot of money then, the tickets were 50 to $100. Wow. And it was a good show, but there was an arrogance about him that I did not like. There was something about him. There was an energy. Well, now I know probably what it was, but I did see him in person. Can you be impressed for two seconds? I am impressed uh, for more than two seconds. So when you say arrogance, do you mean arrogance in a Bill Maher kind of arrogance? Um, Or did you feel there was something a little bit sinister behind it? I didn't think he had the education or the background to be as arrogant as he was being. Not that anyone should be arrogant, but there was, it was almost like a switch went off. And what was fun about him, you know what it was too, by, let's be honest, by the mid to late 1980s when I saw him, he was getting in, he was getting into his mid 50s. He was becoming an angrier old man. But still raping. Well, he had to because no one else wanted to sleep with him unless they were drugged. 
All right, so how do we get into this? Well, I think we need to briefly know, because I don't really know a lot about his history because I never really found him interesting, but I'd like to dive briefly into who he is and what happened. Bill Cosby, his full name is William Henry Cosby Jr. He's always big about the junior seniors. That's so old school. Born July 12th, 1937 in, of course, Philadelphia. Nothing, you know, all bad things happen in Philly. American comedian, actor, and producer. This is the good thing about Bill Cosby, because I think it's true, who played a major role in the development of a more positive portrayal of the African-American on television. But as we know, his reputation was tarnished by dozens of accusations of sexual assaults over the course of many decades. In 2018, he was found guilty of drugging and sexually assaulting a woman, but his conviction was overturned three years later. You really have to go back to the mid-60s Cosby's a little before my time in terms of his TV show prior to the Cosby show. He was on I Spy from 1965 to 68. And why that is important, he was the first black actor to star in a dramatic role on network television. And I never realized, but he won three Emmys. Yeah, Cosby was the man. And, you know, one of the one of the details that I gleaned from the documentary was how fast his career took off. Cosby went from playing a few clubs in Manhattan. And then within two, three years, he was on I Spy. It was was an incredible, incredible acceleration to his career. But the thing that I liked about him was he was bringing people with him. Yes, yeah, he was responsible for forming the Black Stunt Workers Union or Stunt Workers. I didn't know that. No, I mean, I knew that he had worked with them, but I didn't know that it was because of Bill Cosby in the 1960s pushing for this, that we went away from painting, literally painting white men in with black paint and Afros to actually hiring African-American and black stuntmen to work in Hollywood. And, and the one thing I liked about him is he kept the same stuntmen for decades. No, he did. He did. He did. It's it's one of those things. I mean, Chappelle, Chappelle kind of summed it up. He rapes, but he saves. I mean, <laughs> he's, I, I don't need to mean to make light of the situation, but Cosby did good. Cosby did a lot of good. I Cosby agree. I was so upset. Raised the profile of African-Americans in the, perhaps in the most significant medium of the 20th century, which is broadcast television. We went from playing Amos and Andy to I Spy, this debonair, sophisticated international spy who speaks multiple languages and knows Kung Fu and essentially everything that white actors were doing on TV at that time. He did it and it was authentic and it was interesting and it wasn't it wasn't buffoonery. No, not at all. At the same time, he was raping, in some cases, underage girls by plying them with quaaludes and alcohol while he was fronting this persona of being the good family man with five young children and a beautiful wife and speaking about how African-American people should empower themselves with education and seizing opportunities around them. It's this bundle of madness that that's just hard to tease out. As I said, he did win three Emmys. And when Cosby came into my sphere of a little girl was Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids, which I didn't realize it ran from 1972 to 1984. That's a pretty long run. I remember watching it and I remember sitting in front of the television Saturday morning, hanging around my mom and laughing about it. It was, I mean, looking back, it might have been a little degrading, but 
he had again he was bringing an african-american culture into my house and i was i was liking it i thought it was funny it was cute he appeared in many commercials and on children's shows such as sesame street and electric company and i didn't get into too much but he had a big run in the mid to late 1970s with Sidney portier in all those movies yeah the sort of the latter end of the black exploitation era exactly um, right then and it was i i thought it was i never liked Sidney portier in a comedy but let's be honest too at this point these guys were keeping the bills paid exactly exactly i think listen uh i read Sidney portier's biography and at that time and throughout most of his career hollywood had room for one semi-leading black man in in its midst and it was either Sidney portier or harry belafonte and because uh harry belafonte was lighter a little bit more articulate in terms of his accent Sidney Poitier struggled Sidney Poitier struggled to keep the lights on as you said so in some ways I think Cosby threw him a lifeline yeah and there he is again doing good yeah. Cosby almost a reflection of America that yeah the that's most, yeah, the most broad group of black people in in the world or in America at the same time they were among the most exploited groups the most abused groups, the most disenfranchised groups of people in the last 500 years took place on the North American continent. And that's so sort of symbolic or emblematic of the African-American experience in this country. Opportunity and exploitation, abuse and achievement. It's a a word dichotomy that's hard to make sense of sometimes. And I, I do remember seeing the movies advertised, you know, I was in high school, but I just remember I thought, how do we go from Call Me Mr. Tibbs to this? I didn't like it, but as a child, I didn't understand there was only so much work for African-American men and Harry Belafonte was getting a lot of it. And as you alluded to before, Cosby was an entire industry for black people in, in Hollywood. So whether it was the stuntmen or actors or crew, a Cosby movie meant African-American Hollywood could work. They could pay the bills. So and, and I, it was significant. It was absolutely significant because no one was out there greenlighting films with all black casts. And I have to be honest, I grew up in an era you know my background and we were told to shut our mouths we needed the gig and whether it was being sexually harassed working conditions that were not safe it didn't matter because we needed the money yeah yeah it's, it's that survival mentality that i think it's really difficult to make sense of in today's world where people are just desperate to make it to the next day to make it to the next meal and i even see it with younger women i work with currently they do not tolerate anything at all they're very combative and that's the word I'm using that's old school because they're constantly the downside is is there's no collaborative effort anymore everyone is going into one everyone's using a different entrance is that fair yeah, I mean, our community is definitely balkanized. It's broken up into these warring factions. Yes. And we can't seem to we can't seem to find common ground on anything. At but all. as as it relates to Cosby, Cosby was a lifeline for many of these people. But I I don't want to make this you know a um, a geography of Cosby. I really want to spend some time talking about the victims because. Oh, no, I, no, I agree. I thought I knew what, how horrible oh. their experiences were. I was not prepared. Do, do you want to tell me, you, you know, 
your impressions? Let me finish. Cosby was awarded a doctorate in education from the University of Massachusetts in 1977 and was inducted into the Television Hall of Fame of 1984. His comedy records earned him great eight Grammy Awards. He had comedy shows, records. In 1986, that's the year I saw him, he wrote the best-selling book, Fatherhood. This is when I think the dream was over, and this is when everything started to unravel. In 1997, because at this point, the internet was starting to happen, Cosby's son, Ennis, was shot and killed while changing a tire on a Los Angeles freeway. And I think for me, at that point, is when the wheels came off everything. Because at this point, you have an ability to have a platform to talk about Bill Cosby. Prior to that, you really couldn't say anything. There, who would you go to? There was no one that was listening. But if you could start your own chat room, etc., this is when I think the dream was over, if you if you agree at all. I'm not sure I understand. What what do you mean? Well, I mean, I think up until the, the late 1990s, you really had no place to go prior to... Who were you going to complain to? The police weren't going oh, to listen. So I see that uh, yeah. these women could essentially start networking and connecting with uh, shared stories. Is that yeah, is that where you're going? Uh, yeah, agreed. And, and I also think that the death of his son, I, I just think it changed the narrative about him. I think that triggered people coming out. And at that point, they also had a platform. Okay. That sounds weird, but I, there was some, there was, you know, there was a, a, a a group connection because at that point you could Google his name, find out more stuff. And I do believe these women came together slowly. Of course, it took to the mid 2000s. Now, of course, the role, you know, as we know all about the drugging, but what really started it was in 2005, which is less than a couple years after 1997, he was accused of drugging and sexually assaulting Andrea Constand the previous year. She was working again in Philadelphia at, a, at Temple University. Where this gets a little complicated, in 2005, District Attorney Bruce Castor announced that he would not, not charge Cosby, citing insufficient evidence. And then the comedian gave a deposition in a civil suit bought by Constant. And in 2006, he settled out of court, paying her more than $3 million. That case spurred a number of other women to go public with their own stories of drug-induced sexual assaults by Cosby. And then this is where I think all hell broke loose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And at last I checked, what, the final count was, what, 60 or 70 women have come forward so far? And that's who came, that's who came forward. Yeah. And, and I think it's important to recognize that because you're talking about women now who are in their, at the youngest, their 60s, and at their oldest, probably in their 80s. So you're talking about grandmothers. You're talking about women who, for better or for worse, do not want to relive the horrors of their encounter with Bill Cosby. And my theory is that for every one woman who is in a position to come forward, I suspect there's at least one, maybe two or more women who just cannot put themselves in a position to come forward and relive the horror, the embarrassment, the shame, the guilt, the fear, the confusion that they experience at the hand of this predator. And I think for me, the one thing to go back to the documentary that really startled me is there was a couple of those African-American comedians that thought all these women were lying until Beverly Johnson came out. Yeah, yeah. No, they're like, they're, now they're, they want his money. I, you know what? I, and maybe, you know, this is the appropriate time to get into something like this. I think in, in the African-American community, 
community, there is a sense of they're coming for our men. And it, this is a um, perspective or fear that goes back to the time of slavery, where there was a legitimate threat to the lives of black men at the hand of the white power structure. However, I think it's given shield and comfort to predators like Bill Cosby to absolutely take advantage of black women, white women, older women, young women. Cosby worked within the social structure to hurt people. And I think African-American people have to recognize that we don't need to protect all of the men in the community. Some of these men actually should be locked away from proper society like Bill Cosby. And I'm surprised because the guy that said it wasn't like a 60 year old man. He was a little younger and still defending Cosby. And again, you know, as we know, Bill punched above his weight going after Beverly Johnson. And then they were like, okay, well, now that she said it, we believe him. We believe yeah. all these women. But, you know, all of this bad behavior was going on. And I give her credit that he didn't assault her. She got out of there. But I mean, he, it, he got sloppy. In the documentary, I think it was Damon Wayne from In Living Color in one in, in an interview, I think, with The Breakfast Club, where he describes the women as, or at least some of them, as unrapeable. So that's the mentality. That's the mindset we're coming from for some of us. Well, it's also ageism, because when you're interviewing a 60-year-old woman, you're thinking, what the hell did Cosby see in her? Well, wait till you see her in 1970, then exactly. we'll know. Exactly. And, and the point is, that's not the point, right? Agreed. Would you agree with me? That's not 100%. the point. But, but this is the way, I mean, whether it's Trump or Damon Wayans, because Trump is in the same boat and his defense was, his defense was, his defense is, you know, the women that he's alleged to have raped, that they're too ugly to rape. That's where we're coming from. We're still, we're still at the primitive stages of the awakening that we need in our society to protect women from sexual predators. When I speak to women my age about younger girls, and I should say younger women about sexual harassment, they're like, do, do they know what we put up with? That's not the answer. The answer is we shouldn't have tolerated it. They shouldn't have to tolerate it. That problem. The problem, yep. the problem is that we need men to be more enlightened and we need women to be more enlightened. I, I think for some women, their attitude is if a woman is raped, the first question is what was she wearing and why was she there? And I think there's, I think that uh, those attitudes are changing. I, I, would you agree with me? 100%. Not from my generation. Too many women out there, that's their first instinct. And for men it's it's let me see what she looks like is that someone who i think should should be raped or is that someone that i would rape that i would risk raping i mean that's a horrible thing to i mean i understand that's a bit reductionist but if that's where you're coming from that's just the, i'm sorry i, I don't want to i don't want to get on my soapbox and, and 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 detract from the conversation but it's it's just friggin' horrible you do every podcast why would today be different that's true that's true i i should get an engraved soapbox what would we put on it nicholas isley banton or stance nicholas isley banton but <laughs> but in, in all seriousness though um i find it infuriating I really do. I find it to be this caveman mentality that we have to overcome because it's this kind of attitude that allows men like Bill Cosby to persist. But at the end of the day, he got out on prison. It does, it does nothing happen. In September, Cosby appealed the verdict and in June 2021, his conviction was overturned by the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania, which ruled there was an enforceable agreement be between Castor and Cosby 
Crosby, the court ordered the comedians released and barred a retrial. Okay. Yeah, system. And I remember when this happened initially, Michael Smirconish said Cosby will appeal and get off and people were calling in and tearing him to shreds and he ended up being right. Where do we go from here? I mean, you know? OJ Simpson's walking around. Bill Cosby's out of prison. I don't even know what to say anymore. I do believe we are at a reckoning that I do believe is going to take another generation. But it's still goes back to what we were talking about last week in terms of, and we could have a podcast every week on this, the death of the dream of what the America I thought I was living in was. It's very upsetting to me. I know this sounds naive. I think we'll discover future generations, future historians will look back on the time in which we live and realize how much we were propagandized and marketed that it'll be astonishing. We're still in it. We're still in the midst of it. We're still in the midst of the American dream, which is just another name for consumerism, which is just another name for saying buying as much as you can for as cheap as you can and then getting the newest thing next year. I mean, in so many ways, what is the American dream? The American dream is just to own things. Yeah, it's to consume stuff we don't need, keep buying, but that's how our economy is fueled. And when you stop doing that, we don't know who we are anymore. The problem is, and this is not a uniquely American thing, so I, I don't necessarily want to give that impression, but for some people, I think like a Bill Cosby, this extends to their behavior. This extends to, you talked about his arrogance, this extends to his to his attitude that he can literally have any woman he wants and he will find any means necessary to make that happen. And so it's that predatory instinct, that narcissistic predatory instinct that we see in a Donald Trump that we also see in a Bill Cosby. You know, that there's an old thing behind any great wealth is a great crime. So maybe we should start examining some of these great men. Behind every great man, perhaps there is a great monster. And I and for me, it was Bill Cosby. But we've talked about this on air and privately is for me, it was I was stunned by O.J. Simpson's downfall. Just and especially any great man that has the power and did change, whether it's football, whether it's television, to advocate for the African-American or women. This behavior is so much more disappointing. Yeah, it is. It is. And I think maybe part of the problem is us our expectations of these men are unrealistic. Maybe that's what we need to develop going forward. What is the legacy of Cosby? He doesn't have one anymore. He destroyed it. And it kind of bothered me too that like his, and I do have to say that I did feel badly that I had forgotten that he did lose another child, um, you know, in the mid 2000s. And I felt bad for that. But I, it also bothered me that his family was always defending him. His wife never said anything publicly, but that's that generation. Mm-hmm. Keep everything quiet and it'll go away. It's Empire Man. I don't know what his legacy is anymore. I He's talked about touring in 2023. He's 85 years old. Yeah. It's that well, I don't like that. Well, let's talk about what he has produced. How do you feel about seeing reruns of The Cosby Show? I personally, I spy is way before my time. I don't have any memory of it. I I never watched the Cosby show because in all reality, when that was at its peak, I was out clubbing. I really was. I didn't watch TV like that. But it's disappointing to me again. And also now I'm jumping subjects, but I think Felicia Rashad defending him. And that's worrisome. I consider her an elevated person in the African-American community and she defended him. And it's interesting too, because you're too young to remember this, but in the mid 1980s, when Lisa Bonet met Lenny Kravitz and got pregnant, Bill Cosby was 
furious with her. And I'm wondering now, and she went out and did kind of this raunchy movie with Mickey Rourke. It was a very sexual movie. She got thrown off the Cosby show, and that's why he started his own show for her. But I was wondering, was Lisa Bonet a victim of Bill Cosby? Oh my God. I, I've often thought that. And let's be honest, Bill Cosby has a type. Bill Cosby has a type. He typically goes for white women um, or very, very light-skinned black women. And who fits that category to a T? Lisa Bonet. Exactly. She has very, very white features. So she was in a movie with Mickey Rourke in the 1980s called Wild Heart. And there was some type of sacrifice sexual scene and he came out and tore him to shreds. Mickey and Lisa Bonet. And then the show, which I really, now I watched A Different World. That was on from 87 to 93, but there was a big battle between Lisa Bonet and Bill Cosby. I believe at this point, if he had tried to sexually harass her, I do believe Lisa Bonet would have come out and said something. She's been very quiet about him too all these years. None of them, none of them have said anything. I think what, Malcolm Jamal Warner may have said something that, you know, just sort of like a boilerplate. Oh, this is horrible. I had no idea this was happening at the time. But the the, the two, the, the actresses that played the two daughters both sort of fit the Cosby look, as at least as it goes for, for black women. Um, he was into very light, very fair uh, black women with sort of European features. If you look at the women, the black women he's accused of raping, they all fit that look and both. And, and forgive me, I can't remember the name of Sandra, the actress who played Sandra, the older daughter. They both, she and Lisa Bonet, both have that similar look. Um, Jasmine Guy from A Different World. To what extent did anything happen with these actresses? I don't know that you can necessarily blame a woman who has been raped by a powerful man. That's a very difficult place to be in. So the women who have come forward and who were ridiculed and are being ridiculed, I, I think they're some of the bravest people I've ever seen. But I'm wondering, too, is the women from the Cosby show didn't come forward at the time. I bet you they were afraid of losing their royalties. I, I mean, I'm afraid of losing everything because yeah. you're talking about an era where, I mean, women are still struggling to be heard and believed. And, you know, it would just fall into the bucket of these women are just coming after Cosby because they're women whatever the hell that means. And you know what makes me even more sad is that women of my era still talk that way. Yes. And what it, what does that tell you? Tell you that's that's learned, that yeah. you can learn to participate in the victimization. They that, worship at the altar of patriarchy. Uh, yes, they do. They do. They do. Now to lighten this up a little, in Eddie Murphy's role, Bill Cosby called Eddie Murphy in the late 1980s telling him he shouldn't curse. And Murphy called Richard Pryor up and told him about it. And Richard Pryor told Murphy to tell Cosby to have a Coke and a smile and shut the F up. And then in 2021, Eddie Murphy was on Saturday Night Live and said, who's everyone's daddy now? <laughs> Meaning he is. And it's true, yeah. like Eddie yeah. Murphy is the one who, it's just so ironic, Bill Cosby, tore Eddie Murphy to shreds. And I know that it affected Eddie Murphy because again, we all looked up to him. Who was the guy from Fox again? Oh, Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly I'm sorry, I thought you meant recently. Did the same thing. While he was preaching moral virtues to, to America, he was, I don't know if the word is assaulting or sexually harassing women, but he was he was absolutely not the this upright moral figure that he portrayed himself to be. And it's the same thing with Cosby. So I think, you know, and I understand we're, you were talking earlier about the younger generation and how they just look at older generation with just hip 
complete antipathy and and you sort of can understand why oh my god 100 because all these old men mostly white not all white were were just complete hypocrites but not just hypocrites it's not like they said one thing one day and then they reversed course they preached one thing and then they were monsters like bill cosby and this is taking it to another elevated level that we don't need to but i wonder what drove these men is there a sense of trauma in their background or are they just bullies in terms of assaulting women yeah like what drives that behavior what makes a man think that they have the right to assault women is that a response to trauma from childhood that's like what makes someone like that tick I'm not be as sympathetic as saying it's trauma. I'm going to know. I'm just curious. My perspective is this comes from a place of predation. This comes from a place of entitlement. This comes from an attitude that and you see it, the, the incel community uh, of today where you have these incel, the involuntary celibate men, men who for whatever reasons can't find uh sexual relationships. The problem with these guys, and I and I suspect the problem with the men of Cosby's generation was that they felt they were entitled to choose the woman they wanted sexually. And the idea of being rejected by a woman was just so earth-shatteringly humiliating to them that I think it drove some of this predatory behavior. It's not a justification, it's only an explanation. And granted, this is a lay explanation. I'm not a an expert in human psychology. But I don't think this was merely about sex because this was the 1960s and 70s. Bill Cosby was a star on top of the world. If, God, if Cosby just simply wanted to have extramarital affairs, that would have been the easiest thing in the world for him to do. But Cosby wanted to sleep with the women he wanted to, whenever he wanted to, under the circumstances that he defined. And that's a completely different situation from a guy sleeping around. And I think we have to acknowledge that. What Cosby was doing was predatory. And Cosby felt entitled to have sex with any woman he wanted to under any circumstances. And I think one of the things we didn't get a chance to talk about was the gaslighting that he would do after these women came to after being drugged and sexually assaulted. In some ways, this is almost almost as disturbing as the the sexual act itself, the non-consensual sexual act, was that he would convince these women that they had gotten drunk, they came onto him and essentially forced themselves onto him. And now they're responsible for jeopardizing his relationship with his wife. How dare they do that to him? He made himself the victim. He did this insidious gaslighting to a lot of these women, to many of these women, uh, most of them, at least in the documentary, that I found to be absolutely disgusting. And he slept shame the next day and he didn't yes. even pay for their cab fare home. Yes. Yeah. And and that goes to tell you the the quality of his conscience that this wasn't simply a man who wanted to have just an extramarital affair. This was a predator. This was a sexual predator. This was a man who probably stockpiled quaaludes and went around. And if he saw an attractive woman, he knew that he could use his clout and influence to bring that woman into his sphere of influence. And then as soon as they got close, he would engineer a situation where they would be vulnerable to him. You drug them and rape them. And one story that was disturbing is one of them, one of the girls got raped, met him on the Cosby show. She got raped and she had to report to work the next day and he had an outburst of anger towards her and it was all tolerated. That like, story bothered me. That I was think, really upsetting. I think if he had, I think if he did this and he slinked off and he held, held his head in shame, I, I would feel that he had something resembling a conscience. But the fact that he was so manipulative, the fact that he was so evil and that's not a word i use very often 
Cosby was such a friggin' evil bastard that that's the part of the, the show prep that I found different and distinct from what I knew about his past is the degree to which he went around gaslighting these women in order to perpetuate um, his predatory behavior. Absolutely, absolutely just shocked to this day, to this moment after seeing seeing these uh, episodes, there's a visceral reaction inside of me. So what what is his legacy? What made the people that were on the show with him, Felicia Rashad, Mike, Malcolm Jamal Warner, why didn't they speak out? Well, I think part of it, as I think you can look at it through the lens of race. Uh, I think as black people, we circle the wagons when we think white people are out to get one of us. And I think that's part of it. I also think that maybe in the sense of Felicia Richard, she feels a deep sense of loyalty to Bill Cosby because Bill Cosby gave her a career and a legacy. Bill Cosby was America's dad. Felicia Richard must have been America's mother, right? Um, yeah. And I, I think in some ways we see it as an us against them, but we can't see it that way because the them, you know, and if you look at it from the perspective of a Felicia Rashad, those also included young black women that Bill Cosby was raping. Who are you defending? Who are you? And, and more importantly, who are you protecting? And I think there needs to be an awakening in the black community when it comes to black men, black women behaving badly, preying on other members of society. We just can't countenance that kind of behavior. So where does his, well, two more questions. I know we have to go. Could a, could a Bill Cosby happen in today's society? I don't think so. What, in terms of his career or in terms of his behavior? His behavior. I don't think so. I don't think that kind of behavior would stay hidden very long. I think you had you had a, a you had a system in place to protect men, a social system. So you had a social system in the sense that women, even the victims, didn't believe themselves. They didn't trust themselves. Wait, did that really just happen to me? Did, did Bill Cosby, the, this upstanding, charming, funny guy on TV, really rape me? So you had even the victims buying into the system of not believing the victims. You had women who were very, very suspicious of any woman who ever said she was raped because, well, only, only certain women get raped and we know how those women are. And I always try to understand their perspective, which I think is madness. But, you know, they would say, well, if a woman is raped, she brought it onto herself because she did X, Y, and Z. And then you turn around and you reframe, if a woman is drugged and raped by a man because he looks at her and he sees her and he wants her for whatever reason, whether it's power or sex or whatever, is that is that a significant difference from a guy who's sees a car he wants and carjacks the the driver and I'm, i don't mean to be comparing women to objects but no. the point the point i'm making is in one instance the same women that will berate and degrade women will be sympathetic to to the man and i know i don't understand that yeah and i don't know why everything that happens and i do think it's getting better but there's always this victim shaming everything's yes. the victim's fault and i do think something you said is true i think there's a generation of americans that are used to a set of social order. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this, that the pandemic made such a monumental shift in our society. It's almost like we a switch went off and we're living in a different country. And I think the mental health issues of older Americans who are isolated, I think we have a lot of things going on, but it's back to, in terms of Cosby, it's that victim shaming. And that's that generation, whether it's Felicia Rashad, I think Malcolm Jamal Warner's a little young to becoming part of the victim shaming, but that's kind of where we are. And I, I, I sense it's changing a little. Yeah, I do. I do. And I think that's the good news that we can sort of take out of this discussion is that we at least recognize how bad it was. And there are people who want to be on the vanguard of change. 
And I don't know how we keep a society, whether it's socially, whether it's, you know, through our economic ties, how we keep this country afloat unless we are all collaborating together. Agreed. Who's your sponsor this week, Marie? Oh, I'm very excited. Our sponsor is The Shop on Market Street, the daily local of Westchester's choice of best barber shop in Delaware, Chester County, is an authentic, spacious barber shop providing haircuts and styling for men and children. It's owned and operated by longtime Westchester barbers Ashley White, my niece, and Christina Hughes. Please book an appointment today and find out their hashtag, hashtag girl barbers rule. 134 East Market Street, Westchester, PA. Hours are Tuesday through Thursday, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Fridays, 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Saturdays, 8 to 2. So they have a lot of great hours. If you have to work during the day, you can still make it there before 7. If you want to bring the kids on the weekend, they're open at 8, which is perfect. Get the kids up, get their hair cut. Have you made your appointment yet, Nick? I've got one lined up. With Ashley or Christina? I'm going to say Ashley. With Ashley, of course. White Family Rules. Please follow them on Instagram. You can book your appointment on Instagram. You can chat with them online. And we're just excited. Please go to the shop on Market Street. So what's next, Nick? We keep monitoring the situation. And when when we get to a point where we need to have discussion about what's going on, I think we'll engage with our audience and with each other and have that discussion. But for now, I think we're, we're in agreement that Cosby was a monster. And we're going to have to revisit. He's talking about going on tour this yeah. summer. So let's see yeah. if that happens. Agreed. Agreed. Thank you for joining us today. Please remember to subscribe to The White Bikini on all of your favorite podcast services and please visit us on Instagram at The White Bikini. Thank you again for joining us today. Peace out.